Hello and welcome to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike, and today I'm joined with Jason Romano. Jason is from Connecticut and is a longtime ESPN producer who is now an author, speaker, media consultant, and church leader. Jason shares about his ministry and in particular his new book, Live to Forgive, Moving Forward When Those We Love Hurt Us. He shares about his journey and gives us a sneak peek into this book and in particular how it how it came to be and how uh, eight-year prayer um, was realized uh, just last year. We chat about his best day at ESPN with Daryl Strawberry, about the value of prayer and conversation, and a lot more. So stay tuned, and if you're interested in, in getting his book, it is www.jasonromano22.com backslash book. Stay tuned. Hello and welcome to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike. And today I am joined um, with Jason Romano. Uh, so Jason, thanks so much for joining today. Tyler, good to be with you, my friend. How are you? I'm doing quite well. Doing quite well here in, uh, in Washington, D.C. How about yourself? I'm doing wonderful. Doing good, Brian. Getting gearing up for Thanksgiving and the holiday season. It's getting colder here in Connecticut. Uh, it's not my favorite time of year, but that's okay. I like the warm and the sun, but mm, we're good. Everything's yep. going great. Yeah. Okay. No, I I, I understand. I, I'm actually the opposite, so I, I I enjoy the winter. I love skiing and, and getting outdoors, but um, I okay. you know I res- I respect uh, I respect the summer too. All <laughs> all seasons are here for a reason. Absolutely. Um. Well, great. Um. How I how I kick us off is just by opening up in prayer, so uh, I I can lead us to start. Love it. Go right ahead. Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, bringing Jason and I here this morning. Um, just incredibly happy and grateful to just have a conversation. Um, hear what Jason has been up to, um, just you know, just and throughout his life, and especially what's what you, what you put on his heart today um, with his upcoming book, um, and then just also with his um, media um, consulting business as well. Um, just excited to have this conversation and, and know that you're going to, uh, just pour your spirit into both of us, um, throughout In Jesus name. We pray. Amen. 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 Um, well, as I mentioned, you know, first of all, first, first off, uh, congratulations on your, on your, on your new book, live to forgive, which will be, re- which will be re- uh, released in December. Can you open up and just tell us a bit more about what this book is all about and what we can expect? Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, it's exciting. The book is out at the at the end of December, early January, and I'll explain that in a minute. Okay. Uh, this is something I never thought I would do. I was never um, somebody who was, you know, loved writing and wanted to write or had this desire, this passion to to put a book out someday. Really, never ever thought that I would have a book out, and so I had no desire to do this. And just recently, probably in the last three years. I've really started to have more opportunities to speak, more opportunities to even preach at my church. And I think it was May of 2015, the very first time I ever preached at my church. And I'm one of the elders at my church. My pastor said, you know, he needed me to preach that morning and I had never done it before. So I prepared for about a week and kept feeling the urge to share 
about forgiveness and share the story of my my broken relationship with my father. Mm. And so we put the I put the sermon together. I had no idea what I was doing, no idea how long or short I was supposed to go. And I think I ended up going almost 50 minutes, five zero, which is quite a long time to preach, but that's okay. Uh, you learn wow. your lesson the first time. But I spoke on forgiveness, and then I, at the end of it, I shared the story of my dad. And it's the first time I'd ever spoken or shared that story, and a lot of people um, seemed to resonate with it. Uh, I had a few people come up, and probably four, five, six people, and say, me too, me too. In essence, you know, that they had a broken relationship with their own dad or something that they hadn't had struggled with forgiving someone. And I was just kind of like, okay, this seems to be something that, you know, is resonating with some people. And then fast forward a year, I shared it again, the same message, but it was to a bunch of teenagers at a church camp. And it's about 80 teenagers. And I stood up there and I did the same exact sermon, you know, forgiveness and then the story of my dad. Mm-hmm. And 80 kids, and I offered an option up for kids to come to the altar if they chose, if they needed to forgive someone, uh, just challenge them to forgive, to choose to forgive. And 80 kids came up, and I bet you 95% of them were crying their eyes out, uh, just overwhelmed with emotion, um, understanding that they had gone through a lot of the same things that I had gone through with my own father. Um, you know, they were struggling with resentment and anger and bitterness, and it was pretty powerful. And when I saw that, I really realized that that might this might be something bigger than going on than just me talking to a few kids a couple times and that's it. And it's funny because right around that time and the way God orchestrated it, I got connected to a pastor who had written a few books out in California and we were just talking and he encouraged me to write a book. He's like, you have a book in you, you need to write a book. And I, it was funny because I wasn't thinking about writing a book, I was just thinking about my dad's story. And I said, I don't, what am I going to write about? And he goes, well, what's the what's been on your heart the most recently? And I said, eh, my story of my dad. I said, I think that it can really help a lot of people. He goes, that's it. That's what you need to write write on. And so I tried to write, and I tried to you know, sit down and put a couple chapters together and lay out sort of what the book would look like. And I, I think it was similar to what the book is is now, the finished product, but it wasn't I wasn't good. I'm just not a good writer. I, I know that. I, th- I think I'm an okay writer, and I think I know what good writing looks like, but I don't think I just have that talent to make good writing great. That's just not who I am. Again, God's timing, right? So there's mm-hmm. another person that enters into my picture probably about three days, four days later named Stephen Copeland, and Steve and I have known each other for six years, and we just get on a phone call and having a conversation, catching up, and telling him about this idea I have and he goes I would love to help you write your book with you and it just kind of dawned on me at that moment that Stephen has written six or seven books uh, helped write books with some big names like Michael Vick and Cordell Stewart some big sports names Mm -hmm. he's done this before and he's turned these goods you know these good writings into great and so I said yeah I would love to take you up on that and we connected and through him I connected with a publisher called Core Media and signed a contract back in August of 2016, and we've been writing it since and finished it up about two months ago. And it is. It's a story on forgiveness. It's, it's, a, it's a very personal, very raw story of the relationship with my dad. There's some un, you know, uncomfortable um, 
sort of recollections from myself and my dad that I, I write about. Uh, but there's also some applications. There's a probably about 30% application in the book to help people walk through their own forgiveness struggles. And it's not just, you know, I struggle with forgiveness and then I choose to forgive my dad and everything's great. That's part of it. But it's really a way to help people kind of understand in their own circumstances how they might be able to heal, how they might be able to work through uh, the process of forgiveness in whatever relationship they're struggling with in their own lives. So that's kind of what the book's about. It's broken up into four parts. And, and um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's crazy. I, I never imagined I would ever have a book uh, to give to people or to, to sell to people and, or to share with people, you know, at churches or conferences and say, yeah, this is my story. I, I, I'm scared to death at the same time as, a, as I am excited, Tyler, because you're putting your life out there for people to read and people to see. And there's a little bit of um, uneasiness in doing that, I, I would say. But it's very exciting. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And uh, it's, it's, it's coming fast, my man. It's coming fast. Wow. Wow. Um, that's incredible. So, so, so this actually goes all the way back to 2015 when you first, when you first, uh, preached, you know, for the first time. Um, and then did the book start up pretty, pretty, you know, uh, you know, a a few months following or was that some time in the works as well? No. So the book, the idea for the book never came until I talked with that pastor from California. Okay. Back in, it was probably about the early summer of 2016. Yeah. So when I talked to him, that's where the idea came. That's where I got introduced to a literary agent to kind of understand how books are done, mm-hmm. that you needed like a layout, you needed like chapters and what that would look like and, and all that. So that's kind of when I started the process. I still have the old, the original, you know, files of that. And then when I connected with Steve, it would have been late July, early August of last year. And then I signed the contract with CORE media in Mm -hmm. the end of august 2016 so that's before i signed the contract i had like a practice chapter or two done but they those chapters look a little different than the way the book ended up coming out with now but i really didn't start diving deep into the book and start kind of laying out the, the stories and honestly even just remembering the stories it was very therapeutic to go back and listen to or not listen but to go back and process these things that I hadn't thought about for a very long time. Uh, and Steve and I did that. We just locked ourselves down in my basement for three days, hit record on the phone and just started talking like we were in a therapy session for wow. like 36 hours. And that's where the original stories and content came from for the book was that first conversation. I guess it was September or October of last year. Wow. Well, so yeah. So it's, I guess, but you know, it's been is since you kind of first started putting pen to paper, it's been about a year and, and change yeah. now that, you know, things have been developing, which is, which is great. And I think, you know, it takes a lot to, to continue to, to stick with it too. And, you know, I'm sure as you meant, as you mentioned, having that support along the way and, and, you know, Stephen who, who came into your life and, um, I think that just kind of God, God showing that, the community around you and, you know, you might not have all, all the gifts, but, with others and with and with people that that do have the gifts and and are willing to to lend a hand and and really put put themselves on the line for for others uh that that really shows to be you know that something amazing can kind of create when when two parts kind of help create that whole it is like it is a legitimate labor of love of labor of love it Mm -hmm. really is and it's it's a lot of work it's a lot of emotional 
um, I don't know what the right wording is, just emotional feelings that you go through. Uh, it is a absolute clinic on being patient mm -hmm. because the very first manuscript was out back in March of this year. And so we look through it and I'm like, well, this looks like a good book. Why don't we just use this? And then you realize, no, there's so much more to, to cut and chop through and rewrite and new ideas come. And we went through, I think, four different levels of manuscripts until finally the finished, finished manuscript was early to mid-September, mm -hmm. maybe a little late September, and it went to print in mid-October. Uh, so that gives you an idea of sort of the, the chopping block of editing that you have to go through between March and and. September and honestly in other people who I've talked to who've written books sometimes that takes even longer hmm. yeah for us you know God kind of ordained this to kind of happen when it happened you know and mm -hmm. and it did and it did in the way it did I really wanted it to if it was going to happen this way I really wanted it to be available to people before Christmas I just thought that was you know kind of a neat thing to have it by Christmas time to kind of give to people mm -hmm. as a gift potentially and and uh, God made that possible as well so very thankful for that Awesome. So, so it's going to be, you know, officially available to the public and, you know, and online in, um, in late December then it sounds like yeah. great so the way it works is I was going to explain this earlier. The way it works is if you want to buy the book and have it by Christmas, you have to get it at the publisher's website. So it's available to pre-order now and you can get it at the core media group.com and then just click on the books area, or you can go to my website which is jasonromano22.com backslash book. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you can just click right there. And it's really easy to find the link. So if you order it from the publisher, you will guarantee to have it by Christmas time. You have to order it by December 20th, 2017, and you'll have it by Christmas, which is great. If mm -hmm. you choose to wait, which is fine, and you want to order it on Amazon or Barnes & Noble, which a lot of people do, and, and that's great as well, Mm -hmm. uh, that won't. You can pre-order that now as well. You can go to Amazon and find the book, Live to Forgive. Just search my name, and it's there. And you can pre-order it, but that won't be available till probably around January fifteenth. Um, so, if you want it by Christmas, go to the publisher site. If you don't really care about having it by Christmas time, then you can go to Amazon or Barnes and Noble and get it. You know, you can order it now. That's the great thing is you can go right now to the website. Both the media webs or the uh, publishing website or Amazon and you can order it right now um, and then just kind of wait and then the book will show up and hopefully you know lots of people will read it so sweet yeah uh, you know for, for folks who are listening I'm uh, I, I would recommend getting it while it's hot you know getting it before getting it before Christmas uh, and you know having it as a nice gift uh, you know to either to yourself or to you know someone someone close to you yeah and the crazy thing is Tyler I actually don't have a physical copy in my hand yet they're at the printers right now. So wow. they're coming back mid-December, I think, from the printer. I would say December 10th, about a month from after we're taping this interview. And so I'll get a copy before everybody else, obviously, but I don't have one yet. I have a, a PDF copy, and I have you know what it looks like on my phone, mm -hmm. but I don't have a physical copy of that book. So I have not experienced that yet, and I know that that's going to be a pretty great moment, mm -hmm. probably a pretty emotional moment when I receive that first box at my house and I open it, and there's my life there's my book wow uh, so that's exciting and scary at the same time too and but i'm looking forward to other people actually having a copy in their hands and reading it and you know early 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 reviews the people who've sent in wonderful um you know endorsements for the book some of the influencers that i've talked to 
have said it's a wonderful book. So I, I do pray that that continues to be something that can impact a lot of people. And, you know, Daryl Strawberry, the former New York Mets baseball player, my childhood hero actually wrote the forward to the book. So wow. it's been really neat to see these people who I've rooted for and, and followed as a kid and a big sports junkie, you know, be a part of this as well. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, how, how they've kind of poured, poured back into into your life, just, just as you kind of poured into theirs with just with your passion and, and, and just love for what they, what they were doing. Absolutely. Yep. Um, well, great. And, and I love how this all, this all uh, revolves around a story too. It started with something, you know, maybe, you know, that somebody could explain in, you know, a sentence, but just, just the way that you're, you're able to storytell and use the personal experience and something that was, that was so important and impactful and, and, and that can ultimately influence a lot of, you know, a lot of lives. So I, I, you know, kudos to you and I'm, I'm looking forward to read it. Thanks man. Yeah. I'm excited. And, uh, uh, excited to have everybody read it, especially yourself, mm-hmm. and see what people think for sure. Great. Um, so, so kind of going back on, you know, b- back on the story, I want to hear kind of a bit more about your story, um, rewinding back to you know your childhood and then kind of growing up. Um, you know, just being involved. I, I know that you're really kind of at the intersection of faith, sports, and media. At least now, um, you know, is that something that you always wanted to to do when you were younger? And just kind of walk us through that journey. When I was younger, I wanted to be Howard Cosell. You know, that's in my yeah. high school yearbook, uh, to be the greatest sports announcer ever. That was my goal. And so I wanted to be in sports, working in sports. When I was a kid, kid, like 9, 10, 11, I wanted to be, you know, a football player or a baseball player like every kid does. Yep. Uh, I love sports. My dad, uh, for all the stuff that we struggled with and all the tough times that we had, sports was always the, the one thing that, we could all agree on same with my grandfather so that was embedded in me ingrained in me i guess whatever you want to call it since i was a little kid loved sports watched it played it all all about sports so i kind of knew someday that that would be the case that i would work in sports i didn't really understand how or why you know i ended up at espn for 17 years and people ask me about that being a dream job and i say no my dreams weren't that big i didn't dream to work at ESPN. I thought working locally in the, the market that I grew up in in Albany, New York, and maybe getting on TV there or radio there would have been my dream. And if I could do that, that would have been perfectly fine. Honestly, it would have been everything I dreamed for and more. And then ESPN came calling. But when I was a kid, my dream was sports and that was it. There was no faith component in my life. I went to church with my grandfather on Sundays, Catholic church and made my first communion, made my confirmation and did the things that a good Catholic boy is supposed to do, but had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea who God was, didn't have any kind of quote unquote relationship with him. Mm. Didn't even know that that existed to be quite honest with you. And I really had no interest in learning about God. I, I didn't, nobody was in my life pouring into my life saying, you know, you need to keep the Lord first. You need to keep the Lord first. I never heard anything like that. So to work in sports and faith, no, I never thought that would happen. But to work in sports, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that. That actually kind of um, resonates quite well, quite well with me too. And that's something, as you're talking about, yeah. You know, no one really poured in and, and said that God should be the center of your life, and, and 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 how important that was. And then kind of and how sports is a vehicle, right? And and that wasn't something that you know was for me too. I I ended up playing college soccer and continue to play soccer now. And um, so yeah, that that definitely strings a chord with me. Um, 
So, you know, something I want to, to, to touch on now, too, is, as you mentioned, you, at, you were at ESPN for, for 17 years. And, um, you know, I'm sure that was an incredible time with, you know, just kind of all, all different t- types of emotions. Um, I, I would love for you to touch a bit on your time at ESPN, um, but, but more so um, kind of transitioning in where you are now. Uh, earlier this year, you made the decision to step aside um, and, and focus completely on uh, Sports Spectrum. Um, your a media business, and then obviously, you know, starting to write this book too. Um, so I, I feel like this this is a, a leap of faith, and you know, kind of from outside outsider's view coming in. Um, but I wanted to hear your opinion of kind of how this process was. It was not an easy process. Mm. It was not something that happened in a couple months. It was actually something that stems back to two thousand nine, oh, and wow. at that moment when I thought then. You know, I was nine years into my tenure at ESPN. I was like, I think I need to leave ESPN and go work for some sports and faith ministry. I just, I'm just not feeling it here. And I had a woman tell me that I was crazy and that, and she was a Christian too, but she said, you're crazy. You should be staying at ESPN. Look at the ministry field you have. Look at the opportunity to reach so many people for Christ and, and, you know, bloom where you're planted was what she said to me. Mm. And I've said that, I shared that at a bunch of different places I've spoken at and I just think it's so important and I'll share it with anybody and anyone that ever asks me because so many people get caught up in the idea that they're you know not happy where they are and they need to move on to the next thing and that's when it'll get better you know the grass is greener over on that other side for sure and I felt that way and I felt like my my heart and my motives were in the right place because I wanted to go do more for God but she said, no, you don't understand. You can be as effective as, a, as an ambassador for Christ right here inside the walls of ESPN every single day. And so I really just kind of put this thought on the back burner and really focused on being a light at ESPN. That's really what I, what I focused on. And so for six, seven years, that's what I did. Uh, I just tried to bloom where I was planted. And then mm-hmm. in 2015, something happened. Again, that's where the book originated too Mm -hmm. but this idea of me working at the time I was working in social media at ESPN I was running the NFL's social media um, strategy and social media production and I had gone to this conference in July of 2015 in Nashville that featured I was one of the the speakers and I spoke about my time at ESPN and spoke about you know uh, social media but I also spoke about my faith because it was a faith conference with people in the social media world. So it was all these different churches and nonprofits, faith-based nonprofits, people basically doing the same thing I was doing, but for a greater purpose. They were doing it for a church, for a nonprofit, for for God. And that just opened my eyes to really realize that, And I kind of knew, I guess, that this existed, but it really opened my eyes to know that there are people who are in this world doing the same job I'm doing, but for a greater purpose. And I said, that really intrigued me. Mm -hmm. And I started to kind of just float the idea out to my wife and to a few others, like, God might be stirring something inside my heart again to maybe leave sometime soon. I remember telling my pastor the story, and he said, you got the bug. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, you got the bug, the, the, the God bug, meaning you want to go work in ministry. And I said, well, 
I said, I don't know if that's what it is exactly. I said, but I definitely feel this sort of stirring in my heart to do more for God. And that was November of 2015. And here we are in November of 2017. And that's taken shape and taken form. It wasn't until the fall of 2016, right after I signed the book contract, maybe somewhere around October of last year, when I got a call from the guys at Sports Spectrum, the people who had just recently acquired Sports Spectrum, and talked to them, and I had already had conversations with them a little bit, nothing where I was ready to leave, but conversations of kind of mutual interest, if you will, and they told me about their desire to start this media company back up. Sports Spectrum's been around for 30 years, so it's not like it's a brand new ministry, but they were kind of going sort of stale, if you will, on the digital side, and their magazine had been around for a while, and there wasn't really any direction or sound kind of oversight from from people in producing this content. And so he said, what would, your, what would you say if I said, maybe we want to have you come along and help us build this brand up? And I said, keep talking. And they said, well, here's what we're really looking at. We want you to kind of run the website, manage the website, sportspectrum.com and kind of contribute articles and you know I said I never run a website in my life what are you talking about and they said well you work at ESPN so you know what you're doing and I said oh okay and then which was a funny answer (laughs) and then he said the next level of what he said was interesting to me he said we want you to host a faith in sports or we want you to start a faith in sports podcast and I say the word start because that's the word that they used and and I said, uh, I can do that. Like, that got me really pumped. I think I was more excited about starting the podcast than anything else because I've been thinking about doing a sort of faith and sports podcast for a long time. And so I got excited about that. But then he dropped the whammy on me. He said, we actually want you to host it. And I said, I don't, you want me to host it? I said, I've produced content for 20 years, but I'm not a host. I said, I don't, I've never hosted, I haven't hosted anything since college. And they said, you worked at ESPN, you know what you're doing. <laughs> That's their answer. Yep. And I said, explain. And he goes, well, you've worked with some of the best interviewers in the business. You've worked with Mike Greenberg and Bob Lee, Stuart Scott and Chris Berman and Jay Harris and Kevin Nagandi. You know all these guys. You know how they interview. You know how to do an interview. So just do that. And I said, okay, that's interesting to me. So I agreed. And it, it took some prayer. I didn't agree right then and there. I just, I agree that if, if I said yes to this, that I would host the podcast. So I agreed to that. I came home and we talked, my wife and I talked for, gosh, it must have been a month or so. Prayed a lot about it. Looked at the big picture. Didn't just look at this little sort of tunnel vision idea that I had about just going, like I'm leaving. No, it was it was a lot of prayer and a lot of seeking wisdom, wise counsel, and really looking at the situation. Because in essence, I was walking away and taking a 40% pay cut and leaving the confines of what is a very stable, what is a very comfortable place at ESPN. I mean, it's a giant corporation. And it made no sense from the outside world to leave. It didn't. But for me, I just knew it was time. I knew it was time now in my early 40s to do this before I I hit 50 or 60 and then by that time it's too late in my eyes to really start over so uh, after a lot of prayer I uh, after a lot of prayer uh, I accepted the job in December of 2016 
And then I left ESPN February 10th of 2017 was my last day at ESPN. So long story, but it's, it's really, it was a long process. It wasn't mm-hmm. something that was just instantaneous and me leaving. Sure. And, and I, and, and I love that too. And I love those, those stories too. And the, especially at least for me and in, in my experience, um, in a lot of things, right. In, in developing as an athlete in developing in faith, I, I didn't think it was something that was, that was, you know, a day or two day turnaround. And I think it's, it, it for me, it's tough to, to make that, to make that judgment. Cause I think it's, you know, these seeds and these, these passions and these, just these elements that, that ultimately lead to the change, uh, start way, way before and start way before and possibly even, you know, before you had recognized that, you know, this oh, was something yeah. that you're going to do. That's absolutely right. And you realize, you know, it's kind of a Christian cliche to say planting seeds and planting seeds, but those, that's a real thing. And I, I I am a living proof of that, that Mm -hmm. seeds that were being planted in my life, I didn't even realize were happening. And then there are seeds that I was planting for other people that I didn't realize I was doing until people came back to me years later and said, you don't know the impact that this had on me, but thank you for being this influence. And I said, what? I didn't even realize that those seeds were being planted. So mm-hmm. yeah, God does some awesome things when you're faithful to him. I believe that even in early in the, in the stages when you're kind of stuck and you don't realize what's happening, yep. he truly is faithful. Crazy. And I, I think it was, it's amazing how the, these folks also complete just qualified you, you know, Oh yeah, you work at ESPN, you know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I find that so crazy. They really didn't know me. So yep. it was kind of one of those, yeah, you know who you, you work there, you know what you're doing. And I'm like, I hope you're right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, well, great. So, you know, during this time, you mentioned that that prayer was something that was uh, in- incredibly important and was was, you know, a, a lot of the, I guess, reason why you kind of stuck through it. Is that kind of was that your main mission and or I guess driving force? And, you know, did you have a, a mission or something that that really just kept you going? It, well, prayer, I think, prayer has taken me a long time to kind of understand the, the importance of it. I, I always kind of, especially early in my Christian walk, mm-hmm. you know the importance of of, of prayer. You know, God yep. talks about, I mean, it's in his word to say, it says pray for everything. Um, bring all your requests to me. And so, obviously, I understand the importance of it. But prayer is a weird thing for a lot of people. And for me... Uh, there's a big difference between praying for something you want and praying for God's will to be done in your life. There's a huge difference. When you pray for something that you want, you're literally coming with your requests, and God does say, you know, bring your request to me. He says that. But he's not a genie. And so when we were praying during this process of leading ESPN, we weren't praying for, like, an extra 40 grand had just fallen in our pocket, you know, from somewhere else. So we weren't praying for like things. We were just praying for clarity. We were praying for wisdom and we were praying to, to, for God to make sort of this door open for me to walk through. It didn't have to mean that he was giving me, you know, a certain number or a certain thing or a certain example, whatever it was. It wasn't that it was literally just praying for wisdom. And through this prayer has been really vital in just understanding who God is you know, coming, coming to him and saying, thank you for where you are. Thank you for where he's going to take you, even when you don't know where you're going. Uh, and that's really been the process for me now. The last nine months has been, thank you for where you're take, where you've taken me from. And thank you for where you're taking me to, even though I have no idea in six months to a year, Tyler, what this all looks like. I really don't. It might be this 
completely different thing with this new book coming out and everything, and it might be exactly what I'm doing now. Uh, whatever it is, I think when we approach God with this sort of reverence and, and just awe and saying thank you to him, you know, Thanksgiving coming up, like legitimately having prayers of Thanksgiving to him, you know, he guides you through that. He walks you through that. It's, it's a dialogue and conversation. Mm-hmm. It's something I still struggle with, you know, yep. just talking to God like he's your best friend. Um, that's weird in some ways for me, uh, but it's what he wants us to do. It's what he calls us to do. So, you know, as most people, I struggle with that, but I, I strive towards that every time I come, you know, and, and, and enter into prayer with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and I love that, that the last piece you mentioned too, it's a dialogue and, I mean, you know, it still it still sounds a little foreign to me. Definitely a few years ago, and I'm like dialogue. Like, you know, I I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah. talk to God, and I'll you know, I'll, I'll hear what He's trying to say, but I, I'm not gonna. I don't know. It, it just it was something that sounded so foreign and bizarre, right? Having this this conversation with with God, but and that's you know that's I'm sure that's that's been pretty trendy or not trendy, but has gotten a lot more uh, rec, um, recognition and a lot more focus now. Um, but I yeah, agree. But I think true. it's important. Yeah, absolutely. It's very true. It's, it's a dialogue. I mean, listen, that's why the word relationship is is there. It's a relationship with Christ. What do you do in relationships? You don't not talk to people. You talk to people. Mm-hmm. You get to know them. You have conversation with them. And, and that's what this is about. That's what this is. It is a dialogue. And so that's what I've been trying to learn is to continuously have a dialogue with Christ. And that's through reading his word. That's through reading devotions. That's through listening to worship music. And that's also through that quiet time where you're just kind of, you know, uh, taking a back seat from the craziness of life and the, the pulls of the technology world and our phones and our devices and just literally spending five minutes in quiet time thanking him. You know, mm-hmm. that's it. Like, that's what I did this morning. I got up and I came into my spare bedroom, my office, and sat on the ground, literally just sat on the ground for five minutes and just kind of said thank you and, you know, prayed a little bit, specific prayers, helped my family, things like that, but literally just kind of prayed in quiet moments with him and then got into the word a little bit and let God's word speak to me a little bit through through what, what's in there and that's kind of, the, that's what it is. It's not this brain surgery sort of complicated thing that people need to make it out. It's really just carving out quality time to legitimately spend with the Lord. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Um, something I, I want to kind of re move, move back a little bit, you know, you're during your, your 17 years at ESPN, you know, so you're, you're walking into the office and I, I want to hear the, the, the best moment that, that you had. Um, this can be, you know, this can be really anything. It doesn't have to be faith related. Um, but just what was the that that one time where you're like, you know what, I, this is something that I'm I'm always gonna um, remember and you know and hold dear to me. At ESPN. Yes. My my best day at ESPN by far <clears throat> was the day I spent with my childhood hero Daryl Strawberry. This is May of 2009, and my job at that time was to be a talent producer. So I was a booker, booked guests on shows set up uh, guests to come to ESPN and be on different shows and take them around. So I was around a lot of different influencers, celebrities, athletes, uh, and that was just kind of the normal part of the job. It was still mm-hmm. fun, but that was a normal part of the job. But when I got the call that Daryl Strawberry was available and coming, that was a different ballgame for me because he is my childhood here. I had his 
jersey. I had every single baseball card. I had a notebook where I kept his stats when I was 13 years old because there was no internet then. So I would literally, literally watch every game and then wake up, get the newspaper, see what he did and write it down and chart it. Like that's the kind of craziness that I had for this guy as a, as a fan of his. So when I found out he was coming, I said, I'm going to take, I'm doing this. I'm, I'm going to spend time with him. I'm going to, uh, you know, take him around. I'm going to set up the show. I'm going to set up all that. So I did. And uh, it was unbelievable because Daryl came by himself, which is very unusual for an athlete to do. They don't usually come to ESPN by themselves. They usually have a publicist or, you know, multiple publicists with them. Daryl came by himself. And so it was just me and him all day long for seven hours. And in the beginning, I literally wanted to talk to him about the Mets all day long, about the 86 Mets and the team that I rooted for as a kid. But it quickly transitioned to my life. And Daryl, as a, as he was just still recovering in his walk, in his addiction process, he had recently accepted the Lord and had this sort of newfound faith for the last year or so. So he asked me about my faith, and we talked about faith for a little bit. And then he asked me about my family. And I opened up and shared with him the struggles that I had with my dad. I really did. I just said, listen, this is this is it's a difficult time. You know, my dad is, is really struggling with alcohol and addiction and just cannot stay sober. And our relationship is strained really bad. And I don't know why I decided to open up to Daryl, but I did. Yeah. And that's all we talked about the rest of the day. And that's all he kept. He kept asking me more about my father, asking me more about what I was struggling with. And I don't know why. Uh, maybe he's just a good dude. Uh, or maybe he really had this connection because he was in that situation that my dad was in. And so he related to my dad, maybe. And he was trying to walk me through this because of what he had been through himself. And so... That day was wonderful, and it extended further. It extended. He, we gave each other's numbers out. He would text me pretty regularly, just asking me, always asking me. The very first thing was, how's your dad? How's your dad? Yeah. And for a long time, I didn't have a good answer. It was like, he's still struggling, Daryl. He's still struggling. Can you keep praying for him? And then <clears throat> we lost connection for about two years. And then recently, back in March, he was at an event called Iron Sharpens Iron, up here in Albany or in uh, Hartford, Connecticut, and he was speaking. And so I said, I'm going to walk over and try to see if he remembers me. And before I could even say, Hey, Daryl, it's Jason Romano. He saw me, he goes, Jace, how are you, man? You look great. You're looking slim. You know, he was just really complimentary. He remembered me, no problem. Yeah. And before I could even say, Hey, I'm doing great, Daryl, blah, blah, blah. Before I could even say anything, he said, How's your dad? And again, he just knew to two years later, no contact. He went right back to that. And so he had some kind of connection with my father that he didn't even realize and maybe my dad didn't even realize and so I told him the good news which was my dad's sober now and I'm writing a book on the story of my life and my dad's life and he was so excited he gave me his card we reconnected got his number and uh, stayed in touch and then by July or August he called me and asked me how the book was going I said it's great I said would you be willing to do an endorsement for it and his answer was, anything you need for the book, Jace, let me know, anything. So a couple days later, I realized after I was talking to my wife, I'm like, oh, my God, could Daryl Strawberry actually write the forward to my book? <clears throat> so I said, what the heck, I'll ask him. 
And he agreed. I mean, he, he said he needed our help. So he needed us to kind of write an, an outline, a layout of what that would look like. And then he would kind of edit it and, and look at it and, and sign off on it. But he did. He wrote the forward to my book. And that's kind of how it came about. So that all stems back to that day in 2009 at ESPN, which to this day is still my favorite day in 17 years wow. at the Worldwide Leader. Wow, that it, that's incredible, and 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 that was the that it was the same year, two thousand nine, right when you first kind of got that that itch or that bug that was like, you know, I think I, I should do something else. I should, you know, I yeah, think I've been called. What? You're right. I didn't even realize that until you said that, but that's exactly right. That year, two thousand nine, was was the same year. Yeah, it really was. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, and it, and it just, but and I think it's awesome, and and how he's been. Uh, Daryl has been, you know, checking in with you, right, for 2009, 20, eight, eight years now, and then it just comes to fruition, um, you know, at least kind of comes to, to um, a realization now, and I, that's, that, I don't know, that's just crazy, and a lot, a lot of times prayers, you know, they, they will be answered, but it, it takes some time. Yeah, you don't even, I always say you don't know God's plan until you look back. And when you look back, you see his plan perfectly yeah. orchestrated in your life. You really do. I mean, even the, the, the brokenness, the bad parts, the, the awful things that we go through. Usually when we're uh, aligned with the Lord and in his will, you look back and you're like, yep, those happened for a reason. You know, that's, that is a cliche. Everything happens yeah. for a reason. And I kind of shake my head when I hear it. But I understand why that's a cliche because it's true. And you really look back and. If you look back at your life and you look back at the moments that you walked through and the things that you did and the things that you said and the people that you met, the jobs that you worked at, the schools that you went to, everything really kind of comes together and makes sense in this perfectly mm -hmm. aligned plan when you look back. It's looking forward at the scary part because nobody knows what the future holds. Yep. You know, tomorrow's not promised to anyone. And that's the scary part. But when you look back, and I look back now even just remembering it with you, Tyler, you realize uh, that this was just orchestrated perfectly by only by a God that could do yep. perfect orchestration, and that's what he's in the in the business of. He's just perfect. Absolutely. Um, what last few questions I wanted to ask you? Um, sure. This is something I you know I do in every every show, and um, I want to know what advice do you have for. Um, folks who are either you know looking to get started in their walk with God or, or, or just looking to develop and, and have as we mentioned that relationship well I, I mean I think from a from a Christian perspective the advice I always see I always say is to seek the Lord first I mean Matthew 6 says you know seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added unto you that verse is is a little um, is very popular, I think, among Christians, but it's also not exactly what it's saying. It doesn't mean you seek the Lord and then you're going to get everything you want. It just says all these other things will be added unto you. What he means is, you know, Jesus is saying, if you seek me first, then everything else in your life will be taken care of. Um, it may not be exactly what you think you need, but it'll be taken care of. God will provide. So my advice is to do that. That's the first piece of advice is to really seek the Lord first and, mm -hmm. and not just make him a part of your life or even say he's number one, but literally make him the center of your life and all decisions, everything you do, everything that you say, everything that you sort of walk through in life is always centered through the lens of that. And uh, that's my advice. It doesn't mean I'm perfect and, and I do that all the time. But I've learned over the years that the more you do that, 
the better aligned uh, in your faith and, and the better aligned you will be to handle the things that come in this world. So that's my one piece of advice. The other piece of advice is relationships. So building relationships with people is vital. People who aren't of the same faith as you, people who think differently, they don't have to be your best friends, but they need to be in your life so you can see a different point of view, so you can understand, so you can listen. There's been a lot of division in both in our country, but even more inside the church on a lot of different issues. And man, we're all brothers and sisters in Christ first. So these other issues shouldn't be dividing us. They just shouldn't, but they are. And part of the reason is because we aren't listening, because we aren't having conversations with people that are different than us, that think different, that believe different, even inside the body of Christ. So my second piece of advice, and it really is vital, is just sit there and don't be afraid to sit next to the person that may look a little different or you think they think a little different. Just pursue that and, and look to build relationships with people um, because through those relationships is really where um, seeds can sprout in people's lives. And that's been my number one blessing, I think, in even leaving ESPN and even writing a book is knowing that I've had the opportunity to build hundreds and of thousands of relationships with people and knowing that those relationships were all done and meant for a purpose. And some of them are, are people who are of faith and some of them are people who aren't. And just knowing that it's okay uh, to build relationships with people who don't agree with you or who don't believe the same thing as you. Do I stand by the truth of what the Bible says? Do I stand by my faith? Am I unashamed about it? I try to be. I believe Christ is the only way. He says it in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes yeah. to the Father except through me. So I stand by that. But I can never be forceful on that to people. Mm -hmm. uh, I just have to love them, and I have to be intentional about my faith, but not forceful. Because forcefulness, I believe, drives people away. It's where decisiveness happens. It's why there's so much brokenness and there's so much division in the world, because everybody wants to stand on what they believe in and what you believe is wrong and what I believe is right. And yes, there is an element to that, especially in the Christian faith, but man, if that's how we're going to walk and stand and, and be sort of elitist in our beliefs, we are going to divide more than mm -hmm. we're going to unite. And so that's my, that's a long answer for a piece of advice, but that's my piece of advice is building relationships, trusting God first and building relationships. You're preaching good, Jason, preaching good. Um, <laughs> Thanks, man. I'm the, you know, I, I, I completely agree. That's that's uh that's exactly my you know point of view and i uh, you know building um relationships and you know and they can be as strong as as with folks that are you know of christian faith or, or not and i think um it, you know sometimes we 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 get caught in well you know I, I don't know you know can i can i talk about something you know maybe of this caliber with this person and i i think there's you know there's uh, you got to find people where they are you got to find people where they are and, um, Absolutely. and a lot of times that's, you know, it's, it's just having a, a conversation. And I mean, some, some, some of my best friends today are, are folks, um, that, you know, that aren't of Christian faith and that's completely fine. And, uh, and that's, and, and, and striving to find each other in our likeness, um, is what's, is what's going to make the difference. It's more than fine for, for all of, think about this, for all of what we are as believers, we trust and put our faith in Jesus, right? 
let's read the Bible and look at what Jesus was doing. Let's look at who he's talking to. Let's look at the life he was living. Mm, yep. He had his 12 disciples, who were the people that were closest to him, who were like, like-minded, who thought, and those were a, a, a group and band of misfits right there, yeah. those 12 disciples. They were messed up. But they were his guys, his, his boys. Mm-hmm. But man, was he not out talking to everyone? Was he not out hanging out with the Pharisees? Was he not hanging out with the tax collectors? Was he not hanging out with beggars, uh, prostitutes, yeah. the woman at the well? Yes. Yeah. He was not. He was not best friends with them, but he was out there being unashamed about what God had done yeah. and loving them. So if we're called to be Christ-like, that's what we're called to be doing. Absolutely. And uh, it's yeah. struggle. It's a struggle because our comfort wants to hang with people who are exactly like us. Mm-hmm. I struggle with that. I want to be around Christians all day long because. I can talk openly about my faith and not be uh, worried that somebody might come back at me or whatever. But when you work at ESPN, man, there's a giant majority of people there who aren't Christians. So you're forced mm. to, to get to know people on a different level that aren't believing yep. the same as you or look the same as you or act the same as you. And that's where, honestly, you know, I find my greatest joy sometimes is talking to people who aren't believers and just building a relationship with them mm-hmm. and not... Not putting any kind of pressure, yeah. pressure, yeah, or any kind of, um, I don't know, any kind of uh, sort of thing that you have to rely on yeah. in order for us to be friends. Well, yeah. you have to go to church with me or believe in God. No, you just no. want to. I just want to be your friend. Through that, through doing that, honestly, in my experience, is when you have opportunities to talk about your faith, and then God does the rest. It goes back to that planting seeds, mm. you know. And I've seen that. I've seen people who I worked with at ESPN tell me you know because you were sharing about your faith without even realizing it that made me curious and then i came to faith like that's awesome and i have no idea if i'm the reason i believe god's the one who changes people's hearts but to hear those things it it, it just means man we got to continue to pursue those things absolutely uh, that, that that that's great, and yeah, that's 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 all in line. That's all in line with with, with you know with with God's with God. Not only with what I'm feeling, right, but but with God's purpose and 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 why He called us here. And and you uh, you 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 know, I, I think you articulated that quite well. Yeah, uh, thank you. Yes, uh, just the last thing. You know, I, I know we mentioned earlier where where we can find you, but um, I wanted to just kind of go back and and uh, and and um see uh where where folks can you know f- find your book find more about you and you know just what yeah. you're doing and then also anything else that you'd like to mention uh, uh, before we close out today yeah so uh, honestly i'm on social media a lot uh partially for my job and certainly because i'm interested in networking and talking to people so on twitter i'm at jason romano same as instagram jason romano my facebook page is jason romano 22 so if you search that you'll find my facebook page and I share all sorts of information, content, stories, scripture, whatever you want. I, I'm, I share a lot of that on social media. Uh, my website is jasonromano22.com, and uh, on there is my blog. I've written a blog. I haven't written much on that recently, but there's a bunch of blog posts on there from the past three years. Uh, there's some pictures. There's some information about speaking. So if you want to have me speak at your church or your business or at your school or for a conference or even just you know a small men's group um, information to get in touch with me is on my website uh, and that's always available there you know I'm always looking for opportunities to share and speak whether it's virtual on through the computer or you know to fly in and come to different cities um, 
So I love to do that. That's been something that's been a passion of mine now for a couple of years as well as speaking and sharing my story. And then the book, the book is up there as well on my website. You can find it and uh, pre-order it now and uh, it'll be out by Christmas time or you can wait and get it on Amazon and have it by mid-January. So lots of great things going on and you know, reach out because I love to talk to people, love to hang with people and, and, and get to know people. Uh, so love to, to hear that. So. Great. Well, awesome. Um, you know, unless there's anything else, I just want to, uh, I would love for you to close us out in prayer. If that would be okay with you. That would absolutely be fine. Um, all right, let's do that. Father, we thank you for uh, this opportunity, this conversation, Lord, to have. Thank you for Tyler and being faithful to your call to make these conversations happen, make opportunities to hear what you're doing in people's lives, Lord. And I'm just grateful for that, grateful for the opportunity to be on this podcast, to be able to do this interview and to share, um, to share what you're doing in my life. Lord, that's my goal. That's my prayer. That's my uh, my heart is to bring the name of Jesus to as many people as possible. And um, through this podcast, I pray that your name was glorified. And I just pray for this interview, whatever you want to do with it, Lord, uh, just make it yours. Make it yours, God. Take it and use it for your glory. Now, we thank you for Tyler. We thank you for all you're doing in his life. We pray a blessing on him. And we thank you for this opportunity. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. for tuning in to another episode of the Guys Like Us podcast. Today was with Jason Romano on forgiveness. If you have any questions about this episode or would like to get in contact with Jason, um, you, can, you can reach out to me or as Jason mentioned at the end, you can, you can find him in various ways through social media um, or through his website as well. His new book is www.jasonromano22.com backslash book. It's going to be the best way to, to get the book soon. Um, and as he mentioned, it'll be offered through Amazon, Barnes & Noble in mid-January as well, if you'd like to wait. Talk soon.